Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'm very honored to have Mr. Percy Howard here. He's got a new album out. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to get to know the man. So let's start this off right. Percy, tell us a little bit more about you. All right. Well, uh, we, let's, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. I'm, I'm a singer-songwriter. I'm from Sacramento, California. I'm actually not from Sacramento, California. I live in Sacramento, and I've been here for many years. I grew up on Long Island. But I'm a singer-songwriter that um, I've made about nine albums, you know, in the last 20 years or so. Um, Loosely sort of in the genre of avant-pop, avant-garde rock. Uh, Played with a lot of interesting players. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into this interview. Uh, in my, in my day job, I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I, uh, am the CEO of a behavioral health consulting organization. So I've sort of juggled music and jobs throughout the years because I have an, uh, allergic reaction to, to, to total poverty. Uh, and in order to be a full-time musician, you can't have that. So, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's it. I've got a, Got a got a got a family. I've, I've been married for twenty years. I've got a wonderful fifteen-year-old daughter who's also a musician and an artist. She's a bass player, and she's uh, just now taking a foray and just playing the upright and just taking to it, which is great. She's a she's a jazz head. So uh, yeah, those those are just some you know a few few little demographic things about me. Well, this album is a little diversion from what you usually do. So how would you describe the style of this one? Yeah. Well, the style of this one, you know, this was made, this album was meant to kind of have that Southern California, you know, sort of hazy beach moments, uh, suite of love songs kind of vibe. And I think we got to that, you know, by, you know, uh, uh, you know, prior the whole year prior to making this album, I was listening to a lot of uh, Steely Dan and um, uh, who else was I listening to? You know, weirdly enough, Dan Fogelberg, uh, you know, stuff like this, you know, that I never really, you know, listened to a whole lot. Tim Buckley, you know, was, was sort of a big, you know, big influence over the last two years. Because I wanted to make a really strongly emotional, romantic album. Uh, me and my songwriting partner, Ricky Carter. Ricky, Ricky is a really close friend of mine and a really outstanding drummer who's based in the Bay Area. But Ricky and I wrote, uh, there's 11 songs on this album. and We wrote eight of them together. Uh, three of them are covers. We ended up doing a Beach Boys cover, uh, The Lonely Sea. We ended up, what are the other two covers now? And now here we are, and I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Um, I'll come back to it. But, you know, we ended up having three covers and eight songs that we wrote. But we really spent a lot of detailed time writing these songs. I mean, really thinking about why you're going to have a bridge here. You know, why the outro is, is is you know, needs to be constructed the way that it is. And so much of my other work has been really highly improvisational and just reactive i mean the first uh first album that we did that i did for a label called materiali sonori an italian label 
in 96 uh, featured uh, Bill Laswell on bass, Charles Hayward on drums, and Fred Frith on guitar. And we made that record in four days. We made Not only did, did we make that record in four days, they reformed Massacre, you know, Laswell's band's Massacre, and they recorded a whole Massacre album. So in four days, we recorded and mixed my album, and then they recorded the Massacre album. And it was because it was all improvisation. I mean, I, I, I remember sitting there in the studio, like furiously writing lyrics when they were just like, you know, jamming. And they're like, okay, that, that'll work. No, that won't work. Let's go back and try this again. And it was fun. And, but even more so, that stuff was fun to play. We did some live shows uh, behind that record. And the live shows were phenomenal. I mean, uh, people were really engaged around it. That music was meant to be played live. Recorded, um, it was one of those things to where it was a challenge for some people. It was the love-hate situation. People either loved it or they hated it, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, this record, very much different. I mean, it's sort of a pop recording. I mean, there's very little on this record that, you know, is is there's nothing that's improvisational and almost nothing that's odd. Um, that doesn't mean that it's like a prototypical pop record because it's not that. Because my voice in the context of this music is different, you know, even, you know, even so. But this has been a very different methodical approach. I work with, for the first time, I work with a producer, you know, really, Joe Ciccarelli. Um, you know, he's a notable producer, you know, in, uh, in, in Los Angeles, you know, in the industry. You know, he's produced My Morning Jacket. He's produced The Shins. He's produced The Strokes. You know, he's produced Alanis Morissette, a lot of different people. Uh, and working with a producer was a very different thing because, you know, having someone's hand in your stuff to shape it when you've never had that is a different experience. But Joe brought performances out of me that I didn't even know I had. You know, I had, I had no idea that I could do some of the things that I did in the context of this music. And I wouldn't have known if I had just tried to do it all now. It wouldn't have been as good, I don't think. What's your usual process? I mean, you said before it was improvisational but did did you have an actual process to writing these songs to these songs yeah these songs you know like a year before we actually went in the studio we recorded at uh legendary sunset sound studios which you know so many great records have been made there doors um prince beach boys you know a lot of a lot of great records but a year before we started really mapping out the songs, we were doing demos of these songs months before we got into the studio. And so when, by the time we got in the studio, not only did we have demos of the songs, we had charts of the songs. And I had never charted anything ever. Okay. So that really gave the, because Joe brought the musicians, you know, the bass, the, we, we had a lot of people played on the album you know, and on overdubs and backing vocals and a lot of different stuff. But the core band for this album in the studio was um, uh, Kaveh Rastegar, who's a phenomenal bass player. He's John Legend's bass player for like the last 10 years. Uh, drummer was Matt Chamberlain, who's played with everybody from Bruce Springsteen to Leonard Cohen to a lot of different people. Um, Zach Ray on keyboards, who is the keyboard player for Death Cab for Cutie. And uh, Joe Gore, 
who's also a good friend of mine who uh, on guitar, who has been the guitar player for PJ Harvey and Tom Waits and uh, Tracy Chapman. And Joe brought all of these people together as a band. Really hearing after, you know, hearing the demos, he was like, these are the people that need to play this music in the studio. So I didn't choose that. And, you know, I met I, I, I knew Joe, but I met all of these guys literally the day we walked in the studio. So having the charts and them having had a chance to listen to the demo recordings was really invaluable. And, you know, having that experience where you work with top notch musicians in that studio context. It was amazing. I mean, we sat down, they start playing the music. Boom. No messing around. What do we do here? Blah, blah, blah. They were just able to play the music with the references that we gave them. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a very well-managed process. And I wasn't sure, you know, I was kind of, you know, wary kind of coming in because I've always been a very improvisational musician. But I tell you, I loved it. Like, you know, I do another record, it's gonna be like that. It's just going to have different players and have a different context. But that process, I like. Do you have a philosophy on music? If I have any philosophy on music at all, is it's good if it gives you joy. That's the thing. Because um, I've always been one of these. I've always been a musician that has been a polarizing musician. I mean, I've got a big, soulful, you know, um, voice. I was, I was operatically trained as a kid. Uh, and, I, and to try to put it in any sort of pop and, uh, context, you know, there are people that are like, oh, my God, I've never really heard, quite heard a voice just like that in this context, and I love it. And then there are people who sort of, you know, their whole thing is like, this this doesn't work for me. I, the, 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 the example I'll give Polarizing voice, Ronnie James Dio, right? People hate Dio and they love Dio. I love Dio personally, okay? Phenomenal voice, okay, to me. Um, and But, you know, the thing is, is that uh, the stuff I've made myself that I don't like, I distance myself from it and just walk past it, leave it behind. You know, it's, it, 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 you know it, it, didn't, it didn't hit the mark. That's okay. The stuff that I love and that I feel that I feel connected to, I'm happy with. Everybody else doesn't have to be happy with it. It's okay. You know, it's okay. What did you find most significant about making this album? I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. I I think the most significant thing about making this album to me was that I really discovered that I'm a much better lyricist than I thought I, I was. Much better lyricist and a much better songwriter because the lack of improvisational context made us slow down and be very purposeful. So some of the lyrics you know, on this album, like there's a song called Mulholland. And um, 
that song took me probably about a month to write and it was about it was about a real experience but the thing is is that being able to carefully write that song so it was respectful okay because it needed to be respectful and romantic mm-hmm. you know i mean like i you know i like hip-hop as much as the next dude but the misogyny mm, I, I can live without you know some of that so the thing is is it needed to be respectful needed to be warm needed to capture sort of the quirkiness of the moment you know like the moment you can't do that in five minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes I had so many cross outs and do-overs and writing you know you know starting over doing it again bouncing it off of my friends um and that that whole process I mean that was the best thing about it you know was really getting into that process and knowing that when you got it when you birthed that baby as it was, it was healthy and, you know, it was exactly the way it should be. You know, I mean, the song was satisfying because you did the work through it. And I, I just really found that I enjoyed that from a creative standpoint. So I'm looking for, and I, I, actually right now, I'm in the process of writing some other songs that are taking that sort of deep processed, you know, um, way of working through. I'm working on a project with Joe Gore that's based on the life of the poet Langston Hughes. It's called, you know, the project's called Langston. And so we're working really carefully through the songs the same way. Very satisfying. What's been the biggest hurdle in your life? I think the biggest hurdle was, the biggest hurdle and sort of challenge wasn't musically for sure. It was in my career. I'd worked for several years as a social worker and I was good at it, but I just couldn't take the misery of it. So it was getting past feeling like because I was good at it, I owed the people that I was working with sort of my life. Well, it was a hurdle to come to the point I had to get over. You don't know, you don't owe anybody your life. Okay. You owe you your life. Right. And, you know, I was becoming a miserable bastard, you know, because of this, this, this work was so hard. So extricating myself from it and moving into behavioral health and moving into behavioral health administration, it was a big hurdle, that process, you know, for me to be able to accept that I needed to put myself in a less stressful environment in order to be the best person I could, you know, husband, father boss you know whatever so kind of crawling over that and that was like 2003 okay that was one of the biggest hurdles you know uh, biggest hurdles and challenges i'd say what's been the highlight of your music career i can boil that down almost to a moment we uh in two, i think it was 99 or 2000 i did a show at aerospace which was a really cool club in Seattle back in the day. It was one of those, everything's white and stainless steel with like multiple balconies, you know, kind of club, right? And we sold out that show, it was like a thousand people. There's like, you know, there was like probably another 800 people outside that wanted to get in. And that show was one half songs that were written and the other half, the second half of the show, was in, was improv and I was basically using my voice like an instrument and Oz Fritz who was the engineer and Oz is a really close friend of mine he lives close to me here in Sacramento lives up in Grass Valley but uh Oz 
was manipulating my voice, you know, at the board to sort of play my vocals as I was messing around with my vocals at the same time. Half the time during that show, I wasn't even singing any intelligible language. It was basically just um, utterances, you know, it was like speaking in tongues, you know, it was, it was a ball. And the thing was, the people were so connected. It was like one of those, those experiences as an artist that you dream about. Those people were connected to us. And I was concerned before the show started because I'm like, you know, most of these people don't know who I am. They know who these other dudes are, right? And uh, inside of 20 minutes, they didn't care, you know, because they were responding to us as a band. It was also cool because there were some really cool people who came to the show, like um, Mike Berry from R.E.M. and Peter Buck and... Uh, Lori Carson from Golden Palominos was there. And just a lot of people came to this show, you know, which is very interesting. But anyway, we, we did like three encores and we got done and I walked backstage. And um, Bill Laswell walks up to me and sticks out his hand to shake hands. And he goes, well done, doctor. So I asked, I asked Fred Fred, I'm like, what does he mean by that? You know, what are you? He goes, he just conferred upon you your doctorate of improvisation. That's a <laughs> that is a high that is a high compliment. You know, well done, doctor. You know? nice. nice. So uh, that 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 was an amazing moment because uh, you know Bill's another person we've known each other for twenty five years and I've admired him tremendously. I mean that guy, uh, the, the just the library of music that he has created that he's been associated with is astounding you know from herbie hancock's rocket to you know uh, you know you know producing uh mick jagger and you know just all of the stuff that he's done and you know i don't know if you've heard about it if you know who he is he's he's right now undergoing some serious health challenges and uh and might lose his studio in new jersey and musicians have come to the rescue two to through two rounds now and this is like sort of the third round um but you know this is a guy who uh, is just a consummate musician and artist, you know. So to receive that compliment from him after that show, it's something I'll never forget, for sure. Let's get back to your album. Yeah. Now, why did you name the album the, uh, what's the Stars and the Well? Correct. The Stars and the Well. The... The title really sort of the gen the genesis of the title it, it was me making an attempt to capture that this album, when you really get down to it, is about love in all of its iterations. Okay. So from the heights, you know, of of, of romantic love, the look kind of love that you have for your child, the, you know, that pride, all of those things that are highs, you know, the stars, you know, all of those things you know, to, to the well, you know, to losing someone that you love, to someone who you, you love walking away from you, okay, um, to having to be left with the regret and the mistakes, you know, uh, the, the difficulty and the regret, you know, based on mistakes of people we didn't love well enough, you know. So, you know, the stars in the well 
you know, captured that for me. And it's not a poem, it's not a poem or anything of that nature. I mean, I just sort of grabbed that one out of the ether when you really get down to it. But it was just to sort of capture that dichotomy, you know. But love is at the center of it. You had one wish, what would it be? One wish. If I had one wish, okay, this is going to be completely stereotypical. Um, that you know, that we just stop blowing up each other and killing each other and doing all this ridiculous crap that, that human beings do, that, that creates misery. You know, if I could snap my fingers and stop that, you know, uh, I would. We'd all be like hobbits, man, living in Hobbiton or something. <laughs> <You know? laughs> being, being kind to each other, eating vegetables. Uh, <laughs> but that's it. You know, that just people would be kind to each other and that there would be less conflict in the world. I mean, it is absolutely a cliche, but I stand by it. I think it's what most people want. Well, being that you had the stars in the title, it just made me think of wishing upon a star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. But if people want to purchase your album, where can they do so? It, right now, it's available on all the streaming platforms. So, I mean, you can get it on Apple Music. You can get it on, uh, uh, why did I just forget? The big one. Shit. Spotify. Spotify. Spotify, Pandora. You know, it's all, and it's it, right now, it's only um, available you know, for, you know, electronically. Um, it, 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 people are starting to buy it a little bit now, which is nice. So if we get some demand from like old fans and I get a lot of contact from old fans about doing a CD run, we might do a CD run. It is released on um, Third Star Records, 7D Media. That's the label. That's Trey Gunn. You know, Trey Gunn is, a, the, you know, this um, uh stick player from uh king crimson is, is the way he's most notable he's got but he's got a nice label that he's put together a lot of really interesting artists including tony levin jerry Murata, a lot of different people so I'm, i i feel uh honored to be in the company of those folks on that label yep. so you can also get it directly from 7d you know you can download it from 7d as well and i'm probably going to run some cds simply because Man, I don't know. I mean, I I I I still have a CD player. I must admit, you know, um, I like I like listening to, I like listening to actual product. You know, we thought about LPs. We'll see. You know, you know, people want them, then we'll make some. Do you have a website? I do not have a website, and that's that's almost painful to say. But I am the most tech challenged dude. <laughs> that you're, you are ever going to encounter. We're working on that. The, um, Elliot Goldstein is my manager, and he's trying. He's dragging me, kicking and screaming into this century. So we're working on a we're working on a website. You know, right now the connection is through Seven D. Um, and my my Instagram, you know, Percy Howard Music, you know, is is the most woefully. I mean, it's just. I mean, I've got stuff out there and I've got stuff out there I think people might find of interest, but I haven't been able to sort of crack that work ethic. You know, you know, people of a certain age, I'll just say that I'm not going to admit my age, <laughs> but people of a certain age, man, we hate that shit. I mean, you know, what can you, I can't be posting on IG all the time, you know? So um, Facebook I have many more Facebook followers and I'm more keyed in there, but I think that's a generational thing. And I have people that have been following me and staying in touch through Facebook for like 
20, you know, whatever, how long Facebook has been around, you know. Um, but yeah, we are working on a website because we, we have some ideas. I don't want to spoil the uh, spoil the secret now, but we have some ideas about how to do that in a way that will be more interactive mm -hmm. and it'll be more satisfying for me. So stay tuned. Percy, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Kyle. I really appreciate the conversation, man. And also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, well, I hope you'll come back. Hit that subscribe button for my regulars. You guys rock because you make it possible for me to do this. Until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. Lonely sea.